the third week here on the fear, our fear of man study. Is that, is that too loud? Is it too loud? You hear? Okay. So today we'll be studying the topic, the fear of exposure. For the past two weeks, we've looked at a big picture view of the fear of man. And last week, we looked at the fear of God. Today and for the next two weeks, we'll be looking more specifically at how we fear man. And we'll be looking at three categories. The fear of exposure, the fear of rejection, and then the fear of physical harm. Today, we will be focusing specifically on the fear of exposure. The fear of exposure is a common and fundamental way in which we fear other people. Uh, Just to say it specifically, we fear being exposed. This struggle can be traced all the ways back to the fall with Adam and Eve. Uh, Shame and separation from God were some of the immediate results of the sin in the garden. With this shame and separation came a fear of exposure by God and by, uh, and by people. If left unchecked, this fear of exposure can be a driving force in our lives rather than the uh, biblical force of living a life of faith in Christ. So let's take a few moments and we'll examine how this fear of exposure is woven into our lives. The culture, in, uh, the culture that we live in often affects how this fear is demonstrated. For someone born in America or raised by an American family, one of our greatest fears is personal failure. The exposure that we won't live up to the expectations of other people. However, for someone raised in a country like China, India, Taiwan, the fear of exposure and shame is not so much on the individual as on the family. The same fear that causes us to want to cover and hide also leads us to want to uncover and expose others. We find a perverse pleasure in learning about the shame of other people. One of the most graphic ways that this fear is displayed is in media coverages of scandals and exploitations and the way that we are, we fascin- the way that we are fascinated like by those stories. So, uh, sometimes we can be guilty of this when we confess sins to other people. It's like we're holding out hope that someone will say, I also struggle with that sin too. Can you see how twisted this is to confess sins to others with the hope that they will acknowledge guilt as well? The fact is that, that deep down we all have shame and we hate to be alone in our shame, which I think drives us to want to expose others. We also have the tendency to want to cover ourselves in order to present a better image of ourselves. Think about the excuses you make for being late. How often are they entirely true? How often are you just grabbing at excuses or even outright lying just to make yourselves look better? So we will consider the fear of exposure today. We'll examine the why and the how this fear surfaces in our lives. But before I go any further, it's good for us to define uh, sin. What is the biblical definition for sin? Anyone? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Anything outside the will of God, that is a good, a good definition for it. Good. So you can turn to your handouts. We'll be going to the first point, which is why do we fear being exposed? In Genesis 2.22, it tells us, 
And the man and the woman were both naked, but they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. Just seven verses later we read, Then the eyes of both were open, they realized that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So what happened? The fall was the single greatest event to afflict the human race. With the disobedience of Adam and Eve, sin entered the world, and with that sin entered shame. And that sin drove a wedge between God and man. And that sin produced shame, since it is disgusting, morally disgraceful, and utterly unacceptable to a holy God. And Adam and Eve should have felt shame. They should have felt the need to cover, and they should have felt exposed because their sin was that bad. And with this entrance of sin and the coexistence of shame, the temptation to want to hide and cover that shame arose as well. The temptation to cover and hide, to retreat inward, to build paper walls of personal self-protection are now an everyday temptation for us because of our sin and the corresponding shame. Ed Welch puts it well. He says, every day is Halloween. Putting on our mask is a regular part of our morning ritual, just like brushing our teeth or eating breakfast. Underneath the mask are people who are terrified that there will be an unveiling. And indeed, the mask and other coverings will one day be removed. If we feel exposed by people, we will feel devastated by God. And this is what we do day in and day out in order to avoid being exposed. So why do we do this? To put it plainly, it is a form of pride of making ourselves look better than we really are. We don't want who we are to be out of our control. Our hearts are sinful, self-promoting, self-focused public relation firms looking to disguise who we are. This is a problem because it denies the all-seeing gaze of God. Plus, it also denies the grace that is found when true and honest relationships exist amongst believers. So let me stop there for a few seconds and just ask if there's any questions. Can you guys see the four-cycle uh, thing that's going on here with sin and then the shame resulted up from that sin and then there's a fear of exposure and then there's a need to want to cover and hide from that fear of exposure right we also talked a little bit about masks what is a today in our culture is common for people to want to put on a mask to make themselves look important what sort of things do people tend to do to make themselves look Important things they say and do. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people use social media as a way to paint their lives as being perfect and uplifting instead of you don't really see the real side of people on social media. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. What other ways? Yes. Talk about how busy they are. Yes, busy schedule. Yes. Yeah, always in a rush. Yeah. Good. What else? There's like this is really pervasive in our culture today. Uh, hide and cover. Yes. The resulting thing is hide and cover. Yep. Four parts. How about?
the way people dress. Dress up. I mean, what's really funny, I remember in IBM, uh, in Austin, Texas, Friday was dress down day, so we would wear shorts and flip-flops and t-shirts. And then we would have vendors come in from Japan, and they would have three-piece suits on. And it's like, I mean, it was so embarrassing, because all the IBMers would be there. We looked like bums, and all of the people selling us the product, they were all dressed up. I mean, it's like, it was, it was, it was kind of funny, actually. Okay, but I think you get the idea, okay? We do wear masks. Okay, so let's go to point two. How does the shame and fear of exposure relate to our fear of others? We, uh, we fear shame and exposure not only because of our sin, but also because of the sin of others. When we are victim to other people's sin, we feel exposed and vulnerable. The worse the nature of that sin, the worse the resulting shame and fear can be in a person's life. In two weeks, we'll talk about the fear of physical harm. Many times, the fear of exposure is tied to the fear of physical harm. A person who has encountered physical abuse in the past may fear physical harm from people in the future. There may be a fear of rejection because of what a spouse or a parent did. A person may feel rejected because of past experiences and now feel being rejected in the future. They have been sinned against, and so there is shame associated with this sin and the fear of experiencing that same shame and exposure in the future. We should not be discouraged, though, because there is hope in overcoming shame and this resulting sense of exposure. The Bible is full of the plight of the fearful, shameful humanity seeking self-coverings to avoid being exposed while also recording the pursuit of a holy, gracious God seeking to save the same sinful humanity through the cross of Christ. And we'll reflect more on this later. So, so far we have discussed why the fear of exposure. So let's look at how we fear exposure. Point number three, how do we avoid trying to be exposed? Like I mentioned earlier, we have a tendency to want to hide and cover First, it's helpful to acknowledge that we try to avoid being exposed. Just like Adam and Eve, we spend lots of time seeking to hide from the gaze of God and the gaze of other people. We build fences for a reason. It's not so much here in Vermont, but in Texas where the houses are side by side, the windows between houses are frosted, and there's large privacy fences in everyone's backyard. So why do we do that? We do that to prevent the gaze of our next-door neighbor. Right? Okay, we seek, to make for our, we seek to make ourselves look better to other people, to hide from and to cover who we really are. For example, think of the last job interview you had or maybe a resume that you put together. Were you totally honest? How about a mistake that you made that someone found out about? How did you react? Were you, uh, was it with humble ownership of the fault or frantic denial of responsibility? These are important indicators for us to discern whether we truly fear God or whether we fear being exposed by man. Another way that we try to avoid exposure is by seeking to escape. We seek to avoid exposure by escaping. Sometimes in our attempt to avoid being known by others, we build idols for ourselves. These are false gods which offer a perceived safe haven for ourselves in an attempt to flee from the true God and the reality of who we are. We seek to find comfort or lose ourselves in something 
in order to avoid a sin or a weakness or a vulnerability in our lives. The irony is that we often become ashamed of the very things that we tend to hide and take refuge in. In my case, after a stressful day at work or maybe a difficult conversation with my wife, I have a tendency to want to unplug or escape by watching um, a series in Netflix for all evening and all night. And then after I get done doing that, I feel bad because I wasted the whole afternoon watching TV rather than doing something around the house. The very thing that I go to to escape with is the thing that makes me feel bad. So here are some other common idols. Listen to see if any of these might be something for you to consider. Making an idol out of work. Trying to make a name for ourselves when we are only wasting a lifetime of hiding behind fading accomplishments. How about drugs? This could be illegal substances, alcohol abuse. These things provide an avenue of escape. A way of avoiding exposure because of the fear to face reality. Pornography, sexual fantasy, lust, romance novels, movies, these things also provide escape. They seek to provide sexual pleasure apart from the vulnerability and commitment in marriage. Eating disorders, sometimes fueled by shame by the, of the body that the Lord has given us, or sometimes to create a feeling of control over how our body looks. Typically, engaging in these things only heightens our shame and fear. It literally causes the very thing that we're seeking to escape from. But our seeking to escape these idols says something true about us. We have a reason to feel shame, and it's right to want that shame removed. We are simply looking for insufficient things to cover ourselves. As Jonathan Lehman once said, we seek to hold up and hide behind pebbles when there is a Mount Everest a covering for ourselves in Christ. So what are some of the things that you see people do to escape today? Anything? People escape? How do we escape? Yeah, Missy. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, what else do we do? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, don't put a box of chocolate in front of me. We'll be here for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or else go off, go off in the garage and do something, right? All day, you know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Anything else? There's, there's really lots of things we do. Like even exercise. Yeah, yeah, go. Yeah. Yes, yes. And none of those things are really bad, but we always have a tendency to take something that's good and then overdo it till it, till it does become a sinful habit, right? Okay, good. Okay. Regardless of what uh, idols you use, next time you're tempted to escape, try to pray and confess your desire to God. Or just talk about it to another brother and sister in Christ. Another way that we try to avoid being exposed is by seeking to uncover and expose others. We mentioned this earlier. In our fear of exposure, we don't just want to cover, hide, or escape. We often find pleasures in seeing others uncovered and exposed. My shame is diminished, at least in my own mind, when I compare it to someone else's shame. 
How do you know if you struggle with this? Well, here's a quick test. Is, what is your heart's response when someone confesses sin to you or a case of church discipline is brought up? Are you grieved, sorrowful, or moved to compassion? Or are you self-righteous, perversely happy, indignant? Or maybe you breathe a sigh of relief that you aren't as bad as other people. The latter two imply a heart that delights in the exposure of others. Read Luke 15 and compare your heart to the Pharisee and the publican. This uncovering of others is demonstrated in an increased joy within our culture of seeing the pain and distress of others, which is unfortunately helped by new technologies. It is possible for you to uncover a multitude of items about someone else without ever leaving the comfort of your bedroom. Let us be fearful of knowing public sins of others better than the private sins of our own hearts. Scripture is very clear about the deceitfulness of unconfessed sin. David Wells says, in losing our virtue, TV and the movies have tilted the scales away from privacy towards exposure, away from bodily modesty towards public nakedness. We want to see a family whose son was murdered. We want to watch their grief. And we think we have the right to know what they know and to see how they are feeling. And in the movies, the American public wants to see nudity, and they want to watch people having sex. A sense of shame that once would have stood guard over what was private and intimate is now largely gone. Do you guys see any ways in which the culture is losing its virtue as well? Do you see any ways that that's going on? Yeah. It yeah. seems like people aren't that concerned about seeing yeah. things that aren't yeah. appropriate. Yeah. I remember as a kid growing up, going to a PG-13 movie was a real big deal. And it's like you couldn't get into an R-rated movie if you weren't 18. I mean, you just, you just couldn't do it. Now I don't even know if anybody even checks how old you are, you know. But you can see it at home. Yeah. 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 Yeah, morals are definitely uh, changing, and things, uh, things are becoming kind of blurry as our culture loses its morals. Okay, so point four. What are some places that we demonstrate fear? In private, what are the things that you're doing right now that no one else knows about and that you might feel embarrassed if someone knew? Maybe it's nothing that you would consider serious, Maybe it's the fact that you don't keep your room or your house neat and in order, or maybe it's your lack of personal disciplines. So in private, we fear exposure because of the things that we do behind closed doors. How about at home? In our closest relationships, where there's a great degree of sharing, vulnerability, and honesty, there is also a a greater temptation to fear exposure and, and of shame. The closer you become to a person, the more you can fear that they will one day see you for who you really are. When hiding and covering characterize a marriage, intimacy and communication are undermined and even destroyed. So at home we fear exposure, 
by those who really know us. How about at work? What are the things you are hiding from your co-workers or, or your boss? Maybe it is this gnawing fear that you'll be found out to be incompetent, so you spend every moment seeking to cover and polish your performance. This can obviously be difficult when you work for a boss that doesn't tolerate any mistakes. So at work, we fear exposure based upon our performance. How about at church? Ed Welch says, More often I have heard people who talk as if the church were their enemy. Sometimes these people have been hurt by people in the church and then make a decision not to be hurt again. They generalize from the specific case to the entire church. If one person hurt me, then the entire church will hurt me. At other times, we act as if the church is the enemy because of our own sense of shame. In other words, since we have seen the things in our lives that shame us, we assume that other people see them as well. How many people have you known, maybe yourself, that have viewed church as an enemy, maybe because of a bad experience or because of a particular person? Be instructed by Scripture. Don't let previous experiences or teaching tempt you to see church as a place to hide or avoid exposure. Okay? Lastly, before God. This is obviously a most foolish relationship to flee from. While our sins give us good reason to desire to want to cover and hide from God, it is foolish to think that we could actually run from the gaze of God. This often takes the form of not praying. Prayer is one of the most basic exercises of our faith. Prayer inherently acknowledges God as God and creature as creature. We hide from God through prayerlessness, or even worse, we tend to lump churchy phrases together in a fancy speech instead of being honest before God. If you struggle with this, I would encourage you to go to, go to Psalms and read Psalms. David is a great example of a sinful person who repented and seeked to be back in a correct relationship with God. And it was said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. Fifth, the shame of fear and exposure in our world today. I would like to take a quick moment just to uh, talk about observation regarding uh, shame and the fear of exposure in our culture today as it, as, it, as, it, uh, as it relates to social media. It's an interesting time in the world that we find ourselves today with the advent of uh, communication technology, multimedia, the easy access to travel we have simultaneously become more connected, but yet more fragmented. We have friends on Facebooks, we have followers on Twitters, we have co-workers on LinkedIn. There is an appear... Well, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> you can tell, it's like I use it a lot. <laughs> There is an appearance of closeness and relational knowledge, but there's little accountability and little to no commitment. There is a sense of infinite opportunities to relate to other people, but yet we have, we have never felt more disconnected from real relationships. And herein lies the problem. We control the flow of information to others. Most frequently, we post what will get us the most likes, the most retweets, or what will gather the most comments. We build digital images of ourselves. Um, don't leave here thinking that you need to confess all of your sins on Facebook, but monitor your hearts when you utilize social media. 
it is not inherently bad, but like so many other things, it can quickly become distorted. We need to be mindful of our heart's desire to want to hide and to be masked. So six, examples of shame and fear of exposure in the Bible. Um, we, Adam and Eve are a great one. I think it's your first bullet there. Um, as we've seen in the book of Genesis, their sin, their resulting shame, their fear of exposure, and their desire to want to cover and hide is clear, clear, clearly seen in Scripture. Uh, David, Bathsheba, and Uriah are another great example in 2 Samuel 11. Um, David and Bathsheba's sexual sin... Um, led to an intense fear of exposure. David begins his dramatic and devastating cover-up act where he tries to get Uriah to have sex with his wife to cover the fact that he has gotten Bathsheba pregnant. And when this doesn't work, he uh, orders Uriah to the front lines of battle to have him killed. In Uriah, we see the height of shame that an innocent spouse suffers because of someone else's sin. Another example is Job. Job is an example of one who experienced intense exposure and shame before his friends, not as a result of his own sin, but yet remained faithful and trusting in God. But perhaps the most tragic result of giving in to the fear of exposure is provided for us by Christ in Luke 9.26. Jesus says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. So what's the solution? Uh, Point number seven, there's no other way but the gospel. The gaze of God. There is no way that we can hide from the gaze of God. In Psalm 139, verses 1 to 4, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. So how silly is it for us to hide from God? And this is a good thing if you're a Christian. Your loving, all-good, all-powerful, sovereign, heavenly Father is watching over you and working all things for your good. Your Heavenly Father knows everything about you. He loves you and willingly sacrificed His own Son for you. He is not a weary taskmaster looking to beat you up. But if you haven't been born again, it's a terrible thing that God is all-seeing. God is not your Father. He is your judge. All of those little things that you consider small, like white lies, sexual immorality, gossiping, are sins in His eyes. Are you so sure that God and you have it all worked out? God will call you to account for your sins, and you will be rendered guilty and the recipient of punishment. And that punishment will take the form of eternal separation from God. For those that God will judge, Hebrew 10.31 tells us, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the second point is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a great remedy for fighting the fear of exposure. In the gospel, we have one who has been exposed for us. In Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, it says that he, was, uh, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And this is good news before a holy, all-knowing God. Before God, we are totally rendered, revealed, and exposed. But God sent one with no sin, no deceit, but full of truth and grace. His name is Jesus Christ, and while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Without Christ, we have no reason. We, without Christ, we have reason to be ashamed of our sin when standing before a holy, just God. But the hope we have in, is in the substitutionary death of Christ. With the gospel of Jesus, Jesus died for you with full knowledge of all of your sins, past, present, and to come. And by his wounds, we are healed. Meditate on your desperate condition before God and how God has looked upon your helpless state and shown mercy to you in the cross of Christ. If you fear being exposed, repent of those sins and trust in the finished work of Christ. If you are struggling with past shame or past sins, have confidence that Christ's death on the cross has once and for all times paid the penalty for that sin. And lastly, the family of fellowship that we have in our local church. Jesus should be believed, trusted, and followed in the local church, especially as it relates to sin. Living in Christian community helps us to live this out, accountability and transparency before others. As we build these relationships of transparent relationships with other Christians, we begin to lose the fear of man. Ed Welch says it in his book, When People Are Big and God Is Small, when we think of ourselves as alone and isolated, we will always be prone to the fear of other people. Isolation and the fear of man are close companions. Yet when we truly understand that God has called us to participate in a larger family, namely the church, we are free. Church begins to feel a little more like family sitting with us in the living room. Better yet, we feel like a family sitting together at the feet of Jesus, sitting around the throne. With family, there is no self-consciousness, no embarrassment, and no fear. So next week, we'll be discussing the topic, We Fear That People Will Reject Us. Any comments or anything that you'd like to bring up from today? Anything? Okay, I guess it's coffee time. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, could you shut me off? Oh, um, let me just pray. Let me just pray for us before we, get, before we go here. Father, just uh, thank you for this time today that we had to be able to open your word up and just study this uh, fear of exposure, Father. I just pray you would give us the uh, right perspective, the, the, uh, the Bible perspective on the way that we should fear you and fear others and just uh, talk to us uh, as we uh, study this time together, Father. Just pray you talk to our hearts. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Get coffee. Thank you.